0: audioiron.com. This is an event on how to get good Amazon reviews. And we're going to talk about how to get Amazon, several different ways to get Amazon reviews. And we're going to talk about the things that uh, usually generate bad Amazon reviews. And we're going to talk about why Amazon reviews are important. And then we're also going to spend a little bit of time talking about good book promotion um, and what your process really needs to be if you want to be a writer who makes a living from producing books or from or from um, writing and um, publishing books. What I'd like to do is go ahead and start talking for a few minutes about um, sort of some fundamentals that are important to people who are seeking Amazon reviews. It's sort of what you need to think about before you even start looking for Amazon reviews. So one of the first things that we need to talk about is, that in order to get um, in order to get good reviews on Amazon, and in fact, in order to be able to promote your book effectively as well, you have to be able to stand behind that book public, publicly. And by which I mean, if you happen to be like a nuclear physicist, but the kind of book that you write is um, erotic romance novels, one of the problems you're going to find is that. You want you know you may be the kind of person who very much wants to write this you know these kinds of romance novels, but um, when you you don't want to write them under your own name because you don't want to take, go, tie back to the people that you have to speak to at you know all those professional conferences with all of those scientists right, um, so you may think well I'll just go ahead and write my book under a pen name and to some degree you can but the problem is the more successful you are. The more likely it is that a relationship is going to be established between your pen name and the person that you actually are, <laughs> and this can be problematic to you because it may impact your your day-to-day career, and this makes it difficult for you to send out emails. You have to create a whole separate email that you use only for that particular persona. If you make a mistake and sign it with the wrong name, then you know people are going to know who that person is. Also, interviewers. Usually what interviewers or the press usually want to know who they're really talking to and they may or may not remember to honor your pen name. If you have to do interviews face to face or online, a lot of people are doing interviews these days through through things like Zoom or Skype and so forth. If you are using a pseudonym, you know, your face is going to be visible and it makes it harder for you to claim that you're not the person that wrote that particular book it's difficult for you when you're being interviewed, if you're trying to use a pseudonym, to talk about what kind of bio, biographical information you're going to make available to, to um, people that are doing press or the information you're going to put into your press releases. Like If, you have a, if you're a police detective and you're writing thrillers or writing murder mysteries, and you, the kind of information that, the reason that your, your murder mysteries are so good is because you're a police detective, not being able to say that you're a police detective represents something of a problem. But the final thing to think about is that if you push a book out into the market and you promote the the book aggressively and it's successful people want to know who wrote it almost all of us want to know who the author of a book is and if they don't have that information then they don't like the they don't like the work as much and they don't recommend it to to people as much and more importantly when you produce something new. If you haven't made a point of promoting yourself along with your work, you're not gonna make a connection between the last thing that they liked and you because you didn't make a big point of promoting you as an author. So whenever you write a book, and whenever you wanna promote a book, you really have to be willing to stand behind it. And you have to be able to stand behind it publicly if you want it to be very successful. And that means, that if there's a conflict between what you do on a day-to-day basis and um, the kind of content that you're writing, you need to really stop and think about whether or not you want to bother to promote it at all. You might choose to you might choose to write it, you might choose to post it on Amazon, but you might not choose to aggressively promote it because there's really no point if you're not if you're not ready, willing, and able to stand behind it publicly and do all the interviews and uh, introduce yourself as you actually are to your customers. It just represents kind of too much of a... It, you'll spend a lot of time and money and uh, suffer a lot of um, discomfort um, if, you know, you you end up being famous for a book that you don't think real, reflects well upon you. So if we take a look at the screen here. Um, I'd like you to sort of take a look at these covers and I want you to notice something about them. In every instance, even though we're looking at sort of small thumbnails for the book, do you notice that you can pretty much read the cover? Like you can actually read the text on the cover. And if you think about it, in each of these pieces, the one that really tends to stand out to you is the one with the clearest cover. Like if you were, if you look at three or four things together, I'm betting that you read Alpha and I'm betting that you read Suicide and High Warrior before you read Execution. So that's because the um, book has been attractively formatted. And you'll notice that the the size of the text in all of these instances is never really less than a quarter of the page. Usually it's larger than that, right? And you can tell when things look kind of amateurish because they use weird fonts that make it impossible for you to actually see what the name of the title is. This has, this represents, this causes two problems. One, when they buy a book, they might not even quite remember what it was called. How many of us have bought a book and then thought, well, I remember I read a book, but I don't remember what the heck the thing was called, so I can't really tell anybody about it. That's always a drag. And then um, also, um, it makes it so they're less likely to buy the book because they don't, usually the titles are pretty critical um, the title and the image work together to make a pretty critical statement about what the book's about. So if you glance at the, if you just see the picture and you can't read the text, then you usually don't know what the book's about, so you usually choose not to buy it. So for example, if, I bet if you take a look at these, um, at these covers, um, you can immediately see which ones have titles that you can clearly read, and you can tell by the juxtaposition of the, the title and the, um, the colors and the image, what the book is basically about, right? So that's pretty much what you need to ensure that if if you want to actually have um, a good cover. Now, what? So, uh, so uh, uh, the other thing that we just talked about. So the cover is really critical, and again, making sure that the 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 text, the actual text name of the book is clear and very easy to read, even when you're looking at a really small picture, is absolutely a requirement. hundred and fifty, like it makes it so much easier for you to get um, positive reviews and it makes it so much easier for you to get more uh, future sales if that if that font is large enough for people to see and large enough and and, uh, large enough for them to clearly read just it's it's actually critical the next thing is uh, I wanted to show you so if you take a look at um, I'm not going to sort of show you what the name of the book is but you know, because it's—I don't want to say mean things about an author who put a book out there. Because you know they do their best. But if you take a look, this is an author who made, made mistakes on grammar and spelling, etc. Or they did not get enough of an edit done um, in order to prevent repetition. You know, saying the same thing over and over and over again in the book. Like once you've made a particular point in in the plot, you're not supposed to repeat it fifteen thousand times. Um, you get comments like this. You know, this is a one-star review, and you know, would the would the author or editors please do us all a favor, rewrite the series, fix the inconsistencies, grammar, spelling, repeats, make the sex more believable, whatever. This series had so much potential. So what's interesting about this is this is a reader who cared enough to leave a review, who says the series has potential, and yet these errors are getting in their way. This one-star review. Now, in order to fix this particular problem, if you know to do what this particular reader wants them to do the author if it's a self published book has to actually go to their book get all the edits done fixed up hire hire a professional editor and so forth make the changes then they have to go on to kindle Ke- um to kdp.amazon.com and or create and they have to upload the new version of the book and then in order for them to make this in order for them to change um, to make up for this one-star review, they're going to have to get so that they, if they want to aim to get like <coughs> a three or four, a three-star review, an average three-star review, they're going to have to go get two other people to give them five-star reviews. Right? <laughs> so each one-star review that you get, you have to go get two five-star reviews to make it just so you get a three. Right? And it really does actually matter how many, how many stars you have in a review. Most people, if a book has no reviews at all, people will give it the benefit of the doubt and they will read it. If it has an average of like five stars, four to five stars, that's a well-reviewed book. A lot of times when people go to look at it, they'll read it. If they like the sound of it, they're very likely to buy it. Um, they look a lot harder at something that's got three to four stars. And three stars on below, a lot of times they won't buy, and if something's got one stars, they're never going to buy it. People will not buy it. So you don't so getting one star reviews, getting any one star reviews on your book is really a problem. And there's kind of only two solutions to it. One solution is to correct the to to correct the book as quickly as possible, get it out there. And get, you know, find a way to get a bunch of more positive reviews based upon getting new reviews done, or two, um, basically pull the book off Amazon. And really, you can't delete the book off Amazon. You can basically say it's not for sale anymore, and then they will pull it off. The, the picture and everything, and reviews and everything will still be up there, but they'll take off the, they'll remove the, um, it won't be available for people to buy. Um, but it'll, the book, will all the bad information will still be visible. So you can what you can do and that's after that is if you want, you can re-release the book under a new title with a new cover and make it look like a completely different book and, and hope that the original one star reviewers never stumble across it. Because if they do stumble across it and they say, hey, this was a came out under another name, they can report it to Amazon and sometimes Amazon will get mad and they'll boot you. So my point is this you don't want to get one star reviews. So don't put stuff out before it's ready. It turns into a problem. Now, when it comes to getting good covers, there's a lot of different ways to get good covers cheaply. If you go to selfpubbookcovers.com, you can purchase covers. And one of the interesting things about using this particular site, I don't get any kickback from these people. I just like them. Um, If you take a look at um, the, you can look through the covers, and they've got thousands. Um, And you can see, if you take a look at the covers, you can get a sense pretty much right away. Just, you you can look at them and say, well, if I saw this on um, amazon.com, I'd buy it or I wouldn't buy it, right? And some of them will automatically look more professional. Like I would say, this is probably a a more professional cover and this is probably a more professional cover than some of the other ones on this particular page, right? So in a sense, shopping on self-plug book covers gives you the opportunity to um, sort of experience the cover the way that um, your customers are gonna experience the cover when they're on Amazon, right? And usually, you can you buy the covers, they usually cost under 100 bucks, and you can change the title and so forth. Uh, and you automatically, you pay one price and you get a print cover and you also get a um, KDP cover. Alternatively, you can go to 99 a site like 99designs.com, and these guys, um, you spend more, uh, but you get have, you have people design covers specifically for for your book. And the the way the covers are created, you get a whole bunch of you get a whole bunch of sample covers, and then you say, okay, I want this one, and then you pay just for the one that you want, even though you had a whole bunch to choose from. So ninety nine designs is a good option. And this is a sort of an example of a lot of the covers that people have created in the past, you know, and and they are pretty amazing covers. It's a question of, you know, whether or not you're, whether or not um, they're something that you're willing to pay for. So I just wanted to show you that because I think it's important that people understand it's not difficult to get a good cover. It's not expensive to get a good cover and it's definitely worth paying for. Let's see. When it comes to getting book editing done, I wanted to mention that they're easy to find. A lot of times people tell me when I say, look, you have to get your book professionally edited by, I don't know, an actual editor. They say it's too It's too hard to find one. Um, Really. I think what they're saying is it's too expensive. And you really should plan if you've written um, a a book that you're going to spend probably a thousand dollars on the editing process. And a lot of times the editing process will, will take two or three times. You'll, you'll send the book to them. They'll send you back, um, In a first round of edits, you'll go ahead and you'll make you'll make those changes. Then you'll send it back to them, and they'll take another look at it, and they may make other changes. Um, That's not always the case, but sometimes when you send them your book, there may be such um, such big errors, like errors in plot, for example, that they they they'll be telling the first round of edits will come back and they'll say, look, you know, at the beginning of this book, you had you know, you have a whole chapter about this. And then later on, you have another chapter that's almost exactly the same chapter, but it's later in the book. So when do you want the the reader to know this information? Here or here? So that's a bigger edit. You have to, there's more changes to the structure of the book. um, Or they may come back and say, you know, you have this character, this character, and this character, and it's too confusing. We need to have fewer characters in order for this to work. So can you consolidate some of these? Because it's just too confusing. A lot of people end up having, you know, a cast of thousands when they don't need that many. So when the first round of edits may be that, and then the second round of edits, when they come back, you may, may, you may go ahead and make those changes, send the book back, and then they'll come back to you with um, specific copy edits, like this word should be this, and this, this paragraph should be, you know, half its size, and this one, you know, uh, here's all the spelling mistakes and so forth. Um but you should really plan to spend about thousand dollars for that um, it may be the case that you'll get away for less but I, but that's about the amount that you should be planning on spending if you go ahead and um, you can go just google book editing services and you can pick people you know for example this these people <laughs> these people have um, 4.8 stars and they have four, thousand reviews It might be the case they're okay because Apparently, somebody likes them. You know, to the tune of uh, to the tune of uh, 4.8 stars out of um, you know more than 4,000 reviews. Alternatively, you can use Fiverr.com. If you go to f-i-v-e-r-r.com and take a look, you'll see that there are all kinds of people that do um, provide editing services. If you take a look at these editing services, you'll see the um, you'll see uh, how much the editing services cost. I generally speaking, whenever I'm on Fiverr, I always sort by best selling because you'll find that those sort of have um, the most reviews. And um, you know, if you have somebody who's got 200, you know, has got five star, you know, a five star rating, and they've edited 100 books, chances are good that they're not completely incompetent. You know, so you can go ahead and take a look at some of these services and. Which you choose to use is up to you, and let me go ahead and just do a quick check here right, and somebody if you take check the group chat, somebody said, "Look, you know I do professional editing, and the price depends on how big the job is i've edited books that got four point five stars at Amazon, but most people don 't want to pay for the job and that's my i don't actually i don 't actually do professional editing i actually um, I actually do choose to um, pay for professional editing, because I know for a fact that professional editors have training that I don't have. And it's, it's, professional editors are worth their weight in solid gold. They can help you produce, your write write and publish your books more quickly, and you can get, you get much better reviews and ratings for them. So it's always a good investment. Now, now we're gonna dive into the meat, the meat of, uh, Amazon reviews. So assuming that you have a good cover, and assuming that you've had your book professionally edited, and assuming it's a book that you can actually stand beside. Um, I want to go ahead and um, I want to go ahead and talk for a few minutes about Amazon's basic review policy. So Amazon has become incredibly draconian about reviews. And there's a couple of good reasons for this. A few years back, I want to say about I could say, I would have said three to four, might be five, but within three to four years ago, there were a bunch of writers' groups who decided the writers in the groups just started reviewing each other's works. And um, they would just they wouldn't even read the book, they'd just go ahead and give each other five stars. And what this would do is the they'd purchase the book. You know, for uh, they, sometimes they'd purchase the book, sometimes they wouldn't. Um, usually they would, because then it would make the sales of the book go up, um, and that would put it into the Amazon best bestseller category. And then they would give them give the book five star reviews often without reading it, and then that would make it so that um, that would actually make it so that people um, that would actually make it so people who bought the book would end up with a really bad book. And that made them say that basically Amazon wasn't providing a very good service. And in fact, Amazon will refund a book. If you buy a book and you really hate it, you can get a refund for it. So this very quickly became apparent to Amazon that they, that somebody people were being scammed through their website by folks writing bad reviews. And they tracked it down to these authors that were cross reviewing for one another. And they pulled all of the reviews, that these guys had written for each other and left all the bad reviews. They pulled all the positive reviews, left all the negative reviews. And the result was that these books, you know, had so many negative ratings that they basically became um, unsellable. Like you couldn't, you know, the the bad reviews were so numerous that they would have had to get, you know, hundreds of good reviews in order to fix the problem. And of course, Amazon was looking very closely at incoming reviews, so that was never going to happen. So since then, um, Amazon has made a series of changes to their um, website. The first one being that if, if somebody lives in the same household as you, like your husband or your children, if they try to review your book, Amazon will um, automatically ignore that review. If, and remember, they can keep track of that kind of thing because you're logging into their website. Their website and they know what browser you're using, and they know what IP address you're coming in on. So they can easily track when somebody's in your household and they're writing reviews. That means you should also not get a second Amazon account and review your own books. The second thing is that um, if you have sent gifts to people in the past, right? So Amazon thinks that anybody who's like a close friend of yours, is somebody that you might have purchased book purchased gifts for in the past, particularly on a regular basis, or you've delivered stuff to their house? It tends to think that you know those folks too good to give you a review as well. So it will tend to, uh, especially if that person reviews all of your work, because they assume that they're a friend of yours that's that's um, bumping your reviews. Uh, the third thing is that if you have, if you're an author and you review another author's book and they give you a, a review back within. Um, a certain period of time, they think that you're being too friendly, particularly if this happens all of the time. Now, it doesn't mean the authors can never review each other's work, but you probably you you absolutely are not allowed to trade reviews. So, and it looks and it looks to detect that. So, which is kind of a drag because if you think about it, some of the great literary dialogues in history happened because authors were reviewing each other's work or critiquing each other's work. But that's not going to happen in the Amazon world because it irritates them. So, you can't, write, you can't write a review of your own book. You can't have family and friends review your book. You can't, you can't trade reviews. You're also not allowed to pay people for reviews. So, if you go onto Fiverr or any of these other websites, and they've cracked down on Fiverr particularly, and you say, Look, I'll pay $5 for a good review, um, Amazon, if it finds out that you've done that, Amazon is going to pull. Um, pull that review. And the thing is, how hard is it for Amazon to find that? Well, let's say that somebody, posing, somebody from Amazon goes up to Fiverr and buys a review for a particular book, and then the book gets posted. It's going to see what the name of that reviewer is, and it's going to pull the book review. And it's not just going to pull that book review for that book, for that particular book, it's going to pull everything that reviewer has reviewed. So it's pretty easy to get caught um, by, uh, purchasing reviews from any site. Uh, let's see. You are allowed to give people a free copy of the book in order to get a review. It's called giving them and sometimes they call, um, these free copies that you give, like, let's say, um, somebody says, yeah, I'd like to review your book. You send them a copy of it. Um, and you say, look, I want, um, I look forward, I hope you will write a review of the book after you read it. And, uh, whether it's good bad or different, I hope it'd be really great to hear what your thoughts are, and you can post them on Amazon. So when you do that, make sure you also tell them to disclose in the review that they got a free copy because what you don't want to do is have them post something uh, a poster review and not mention they got a free copy and because that tend, kind of thing tends to make Amazon think that in effect you're buying reviews so you need to make sure that whenever you you say i'm going to give you a free copy of my book you want to put make sure that you tell them please make sure when you review the book that you tell them the author gave you a free copy and also please make sure it's a fair review if there's anything you know i i want to know your real thoughts not just not just positive thoughts that gives you sort of a sense of the basics of the amazon review rules and the reason i'm mentioning this is because as I start telling you how to get reviews, you're gonna run into people who will offer to trade reviews with you. And you'll also run into to people who um, make it very clear that you're purchasing a positive review. And you wanna make sure that, that you steer away from those things because they will, you'll get caught for them. And it will turn into, um, it'll turn into a problem for you. I wanna mention a couple of things. So it is possible, if you, if you right now go on, go and Google, um, how to you know getting how, getting amazon reviews or or getting my book reviewed on Amazon or whatever? you'll find a whole huge number of services out there which pur- purport to offer you um, exposure for your book to readers who will give you who will agree to read, review your book. Very, very, very few of them, in my experience, actually deliver like you'll spend fifty bucks or one hundred bucks or two hundred and fifty dollars or whatever. You'll spend vast quantities of money. And you may only get one or two reviews, if any at all. So very, very few of those services actually deliver. So you might as well save your money, because 99 times out of a 10, 99 times out of 100, it's just not going to be, it's not going to work out. There's a few that work sort of, but most of them don't work well. Um, if you can, you can also go to Goodreads.com, and you'll, you can look up review groups, and you'll actually find groups that have processes and procedures that allow you to give copies of your book away to, to people who um, specifically provide reviews. The only compensation they get is uh, a copy of the book, and usually you don't give them the copy through Amazon. Usually you send them a, something like an art. it's called an ARC copy, advanced review copy. You send them an ARC copy of the book, um, and they review that. The only thing I don't like about using that service is that then I have a free, I basically have a PDF version of my book milling around the internet, which I don't like. But so you can find sites on both Facebook and on Goodreads that um, are, provide you pretty much as good an opportunity to get reviews as, um, as if you paid for one of the services that, that purports to, to guarantee that you're going to get reviewed. Okay, so I wanted to mention that there are these kinds of sites on Amazon, on Facebook. you can find review groups that are free to join that don't cost you any money that give as good as the ones that you actually are purportedly paying for. Cool sometimes um, having said that uh, there are a couple, there are a couple of services that actually do provide um, some level of service that you may find useful, or you may want to you you can experiment with if you're of a mind. Um, there's this website nicholasseric.com, and <laughs> and there's actually several authors who've done this. They basically what they do is they go and they pay for the service, and then they come back and they review the review the Amazon service and they talk about sort of how well how well the service works. Um, As for example, this guy says, "Look, you know, Goodreads giveaways, eh? You know, or hiddengems.com." And this particular one, you know, it says GoodHiddenGems.com is a good review service. So if you want, if you do, before you decide to use any of those four pay service, what you should do is actually take a look at um, some of the sites that review how how well the service worked before you decided to buy it. Okay? You don't have to you don't have to choose to buy something without researching it to see whether or not it's going to work. And this guy particularly recommends HiddenGems.com, HiddenGemsBooks.com. If you go ahead and take a look, you can read sort of how their service works so you can spend a little bit of money and try to use some of these services and see if they work most of the time as I said I haven't had that much luck with them I've had I've had um, better luck using some of the techniques I'm going to talk about now cool so here's what I recommend here's what I recommend you actually do the first step The first step I usually recommend is if you've written a book and you know you have friends in your acquaintanceship, um, they're not close friends, like you don't buy them Christmas gifts or anything like that, but they're people that you know through Facebook um, or, you know, you post your book on Facebook and you say, if anyone wants a review copy, let me know. Um, And then you send the people who request a review copy, uh, a a copy of the book through Amazon and say, and ask them to give you a review or people that you know through LinkedIn.com. You reach out to them and say, "Hey, my new book's available. If you're interested in if you're interested in reading it, I'll give it to you for free." I'm sort of looking for reviews, um, you know. And when they contact you, you send them the information, send them the book, and then you say, "Make sure you give me an honest review." And um, I look forward to seeing what you thought of the book. And make sure you let the make sure in your review you you indicate that you got the book free. Um, Using that method, I think works really well um, for getting reviews from most people. Um, mostly just because your friends do usually have some interest in what you write. Alternatively what you can do is you can go on to Amazon and you can look for books that are similar to the one that you've written and when you find the book you find a similar book you can click on the you can click on the you find it, what you do is you go on and you look for books that are very similar your book that has lots that have lots of reviews Um, and then you can click on the people that reviewed the book and sometimes they will actually have in their about contact information uh, they will actually have they will actually have contact information for how you can actually reach them in order um, to give them reviews sometimes they'll have a website sometimes they'll have an unusual name that you can google etc so um, the let me see I think I had where did it go so for example if you click on and if i clicked on this review you see, you you can see that her name is Bree, bb reads a lot if you if you actually google this you can usually the name of the reviewer especially if it's a, if it's an odd name if you google the name you'll actually find the person's website and usually if you look at their website there's a way to contact them and you can say hey i saw that you did a review on amazon um, and for this particular book, and I have a book that's very similar, I was wondering if you'd be interested in reviewing my book, um, you know, I'll give you a free copy of it, and a lot of times, shockingly enough, they'll say yes, because kind of people that, re- that like to write reviews like to write reviews, so um, they like getting free books, they get stuff for free, and in fact, you may think about it, you may decide that um, to go onto Amazon, and uh, to customize your profile to tell people how to contact you, and you'll start getting people asking you to review their books and other stuff for free. So this is a very common way for people who like to get free stuff in in exchange for writing honest reviews. This is how they do it. So I googled um, B.B. Reads a lot, and um, her name is B.B. Belford, and if you take a look at it, you can see, you know, she's a teacher, whatever, she reviews lots of different things, and, uh, on her website, there's information on how to actually contact her. So that's a very common thing. Also, sometimes you'll see, when you uh, look on a person's website, um, sorry, when you actually click on one of the reviews, they'll actually provide direct contact information. They'll actually provide their website, and they'll actually provide um, a link to their Facebook and a link to their Instagram. This is a person who's actually specifically asking you to send, saying, making it easy for you to contact them, and that's because they like to review things. Notice that this person doesn't always give positive reviews, right? And she doesn't always give five-star reviews. So she's giving honest reviews based upon what she gets, okay? So you take a look at all sort of the different um, kinds of things that people have reviewed. And this is, now this going through this process takes a while, but you really don't need to have very many positive reviews. Usually only one in 100 people will write a review normally. So it'll take a, in real life, when you're selling your book and you're selling hundreds of copies, literally one in 100 people will care enough to write a review. Almost no one will. So if you go and you get people to give you five to 10 or 15 um, reviews, you know, and especially if you're using the mechanism I just told you, where you're looking for people who gave positive reviews to, to similar books. Um. You're going to mostly, you know, given that your book is well-written and you've got, you've done all that other stuff I said, you'll end up with a positive review for your book. And if you've got 10 or 15, it's, you know, what's the chance that you're going to end up getting a flurry of (laughs) 50,000 bad reviews after that? So you don't need a million of them. Five to 10 is more than sufficient. Um, You're really just trying to make it so that when people first look at your book, you don't have a you don't have like two or three early bad reviews making or, 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 turning into people, nobody ever buying your book after that because you've got a three-star rating. So I drafted up in the notes that um, I created to support this event, I drafted up um, a sample letter that you can send out to people. So, greeting Sandy, my name is Nancy Fulton. I'm the author of a book called Fortunate Monsters. It's a medical thriller about a mad fertility doctor who gives genetically engineered babies to the richest people in the world, whatever. So, and then you'll notice it has specific language. Um, you can find the book here. Um, yeah, uh, I'm offering a free Kindle copy of the book in exchange for an honest review. You recently reviewed The Silent Wife, which made me think you might also find my book interesting. So you can see that I'm saying that I'm going to give them a free copy. I'm saying I'm going to give them an honest review. I'm asking them for an honest review. I'm providing them with information about why I wrote the book and a sort of a, um, a description of the book. Um, and then I'm asking if it's okay if I send the book to them. Generally speaking. Um, if somebody's actively reviewing books, you send this out, unless your book is kind of weird. One out of two people, one out of every two or three people is going to say yes. So you don't really have to contact very many people in order to get reviews. It makes a lot of sense for you to have a Twitter account and to, on your Twitter account, to start posting information about your book. And if you take a look at the hashtags, am writing or where am writing fantasy, like you can write these kinds of these specific hashtags. Um, a lot of times, people will actually, um, you know, if, if when I see a link like this, when somebody says, you know, every several times, um, several times a week, just because I have a particular interest in finding out about new authors, particularly other authors that are writing, just because I like to read new works, um, I will frequently click on am writing just to see who all the people are that are. Um, that say they're writing and then I'll read through the stuff that they post and a lot of times I'll go I'll start reading through the posts and I'll find somebody who's requesting a review and I'll think okay I'll just go ahead that sounds like an interesting book I'll go ahead and accept a free copy in order to get a review so if you don't have a Twitter account you might want to create one specifically so that you can post um, images and information about your work as a writer and so you can specifically tell people when you've got a version of your book that's available for free um, and I know it doesn't, you, you may say, well, I don't really have a lot of Twitter friends, you know, so there's not a lot of reason for me to go on Twitter. The thing is, by putting writing, the hashtag, people will discover you because there's a lot of people like me that just literally click on that so they can actually see, you know, get come into contact and read new writers, right? So get a Twitter account if you haven't already decided to do it. I think you'll find that it, it turns out to be a way for you to get reviews and also to promote your book. Um, fairly easily, right? So for example, and then a lot of times when I see an author that I think I might like, I'll actually just go ahead and follow them. So I start getting more and more and more. Um, I just, my Twitter feed all turns turns out to be a whole lot of people that I've, have posted things that I've liked in the past. And sometimes they'll even just decide to go ahead and retweet you. So they'll actually, people who see your work, you know, may see your cover and may see what you're talking about or may have started to follow you and they'll start retreating your work and you'll meet you'll your work will get pushed out to people you don't even know. So I I know a lot of people don't understand how to use Twitter. I just hope I hope that that helps. The, those little tags they put at the end are actually really important. The next thing um, that I wanted to talk about is something called Amazon giveaways. So it it's it, it, strangely enough um, when you write a book, you can actually set its price to like a dollar, for example, when you first release it, and then um, you can run a giveaway on Amazon. And in effect, what you're going to do is you're going to end up actually buying your own book, um, and it, you're going to create what amounts to a seller's a seller contest. Um, and you, it'll give you a link that you can post on Amazon. Sorry, I give you a link that you can actually post on Facebook or Twitter. Um, that's like a contest, and you can tell people, look. You know, uh, click this link and you'll get a copy of the book for free. And I hope you'll review it. There's more instructions to cover this in greater detail in the, the notes. It um, talks about sort of how many, how many books you should think about giving away and so forth. I usually sort of do it in batches of 20. And you can specify what people have to do to win. Usually, I specify that in order to, to, to um, take a chance to get the free copy of the book, you have to follow the author, my author account. Sorry, every single author can sign up to get an author page, um, and this is particularly easy to do if you actually publish your own books. Um, and when you create an author page, you basically put in a bio. You can put links to your website, like I have AudioIron.com here, um, and you can uh, put in a link to your the page where your books are. If you go ahead and you you view your view an author page, you'll see that it can you t- can have your picture on it. It can have Um, some of the books that you've produced. It can have links from your website and all of this is appearing actually on the amazon.com website. This does a couple of things. First of all, links from amazon.com that point directly to your website tend to make it so when people Google you, your web page comes up first. It comes up before everybody else's because Amazon's pointing at you and Amazon is considered authoritative. The next thing is that It also puts on this one page, it puts all of the books that you've written, right? So people don't, and it also, so people can actually just by going to this one page see everything that you've done. Later on, whenever I I publish a new book, everybody who followed me is going to get a copy of the, is going to get a push notification saying that a new book is available to them, right? So this is how you can actually get Amazon to push a message about your book out to the people um, that have purchased it in the past um, who have followed you or to people who have followed you because they entered a contest. So whenever you first publish a new book, first of all, you as an author should create, go onto Facebook and create a page um, that talks about you as an author. You should have an author page, but each book you should create, each book you create should also have a book page that's specific to that particular book. And in this particular case, um, I created one for this for this particular book. Um, And the reason that you want to do that, there's two reasons that you want to do that. One, when people Google the title of your book, you want to make sure that your book is the first thing that comes up. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you Google something and there's a Facebook page for it, the Facebook page will often come up early on. Furthermore, if there's a link from a Facebook page directly to your website, your website will also tend to come up um, uh, closer to the top. So this is particularly true if, um, you know, your book has a somewhat distinctive name. Like Fortunate Monsters, there's, fortunate monsters. it turns out there's not like a lot of books called Fortunate Monsters. So I want to make sure that any, and I know if somebody types Fortunate Monsters, they're probably looking for my book because there's nothing, there's not a lot of people that are going to be looking for that particular title. So, and it would be a terrible thing if they Googled that title and my book didn't come up. So by creating the page on Facebook, I've actually made that a lot um, a lot easier. I, I may, I've guaranteed that anybody who searches for me on Google is likely to find my book and my webpage. They'll find me, they'll see it on Amazon, they'll see it on the, um, on the Author Central, they'll see it on Facebook, it'll come up on Twitter, right? So part of it's just making sure that your book is created, put, put in all of these places. The next thing is that um, when you create, when you create posts on um, Facebook, you can actually do a boost post. Uh, you can actually boost the post. So when you click on boost post, this is where you can actually specify the kind of people that you know are gonna be interested in your target. So I clicked on, um, I, I posted a link to the picture of the book and I, a description of the book and so forth. Um, and I talked about something related to the book, which is, you know, it's got a, I, <laughs> this is so stupid. I wrote this book. I actually like this book, but I wrote it just because part of it. I want I um I wanted to t- test a whole bunch of different marketing things, particularly for a consumer book. So I did it with this particular book, and I, d- I put on a kind of a funky cover or a cover I like because I don't really think it, it, This is a this is a book about a thriller based upon children, so it doesn't really have a very terrifying cover. So I made you can make a post about anything. I made something about the cover's not scary, even though the book is. So now I can actually promote. T- when I boost a post, I can actually specify who I want to um, take a look at the um, what audience I want to promote to. And when you're an author and you want to reach brand new readers, one of the cool things you can do is you can actually come to boost a post and say you want to create a new audience. And in this particular case, you know, I know that I want to promote to women, and I know that most of the women that are going to like my book are people that are living in in Los, you know, sort of on the West Coast. It's it's kind of about Hollywood. So um, I can actually specify the location. So if you were doing something, if you were writing a book and it was about the Deep South, for example, or it was about Chicago, you can actually target the book to only people that are in Chicago, you know? So for example, right? The other thing you can choose to do and this, see where it says include people who match at least one of the following, you can actually put in um, keywords that are related to a specific thing. So for example, um, you can actually put in the name of a competing author. So for example, you might, if it's a horror book, you might decide to put in Stephen King. So you can target people who like a particular book. And in this particular case, it's saying you know The Shining by Stephen King. But you can try putting, you can basically try putting in, um, uh, I'm gonna just target by Stephen King and not the shiny. Cool, right? And you can see that's already, that already automatically connects me to 43,000 people of their potential people that would be interested in my project. So I found that I can do, you can do a lot. If, you, if you've if you created a book um, and that's very much in the genre of a similar author, you know, we're sort of in, you know, it's, it's, it's like a Stephen King book. Um, um, or it's like, or, you know, it's about a particular murder, like Son of Sam, right? Uh, so a lot of times you can put in the name of some sort of scandal or something like that, and it will actually go ahead and give you, there are people that are interested in that particular topic, or if there's been a documentary that's come out, you can actually put that in. So it allows you to actually reach people who have a very specific interest and in, that you are, that your book actually meets, you know? Um Laura K. Hamilton does books about, you know, fairies and uh, vampires. So by putting her here or putting the names of her books here, I would actually be able to reach her readers now, uh, which is not such a bad thing. Um, And you can actually, I mentioned in passing, um, you can also, just because I think everybody should know this about Amazon, I I can also target by crazy things like income, net worth, um, life events, like they just had a baby, you know, or they just had a birthday. Uh, they're just, they're newly engaged, or they're in a new relationship. Just suffice to say, Amazon knows too much about you, and <laughs> you can advertise based on this. <laughs> you should probably just look into this just because it's interesting to know, you know, I, like new parents, et cetera, so kids' books or whatever, you can target to these people. So there's a lot of information that you can actually use to um, target your work. Um, Actually, I guess I have to give it to more people. Hold on a second. Let's go. I'm just gonna take off the Stephen King thing because it's too much. So, and then I can after I do that, I can actually specify. Um, I can actually specify the budget that um, I want to use. Um, I can say I only want to spend two dollars a day, and I want to spend it for the next sixty days. And a lot of times, the longer you set the time period is, the better um, Facebook is at getting you the kind of people that you want. Because it, what it is, is if you say, I'm gonna spend $20 in the next two days, it says, okay. And it just sort of dumps, dumps the ads out um, to those people. Whereas if it's only spending $2 a day or $5 a day, it gets better and better and better at targeting. So you get a higher and higher click-through rate. You get more and more people actually going to your book. Instead, the other thing you might choose to do, instead of having um, your ads point to, uh, directly to the book on Amazon, you might decide to point them to your website where you can actually provide them with a preview, or you might decide to point them to your um, website where they can click a link to, um, to be in the contest to win a book, or um, you might decide to show them a little video that you've had you paid to have created that describes the book like a little commercial, and then they can click on it. Then they can click um, uh, to join your email address or click to get the book. So my point is that this post that you have can put... Po- point to your website, it can point to the book, it can point to a contest, it can point to all of these different things. Um, And you really don't have to spend very much money. You can spend $2 a day, $5 a day. It's the point is to kind of get consistent and also figure out who you're trying to target over time, who's most likely to buy your book. You know? Um, And you can tell that by what the sales look like day after day. Now um, let's see. Cool. I wanna mention in passing. So one of the things that I tested was video ads. And oddly enough, video ads are the cheapest advertising you can get on um, Facebook. So what you can choose to do is create a little video. Um, In this particular case, I got a bunch of artwork. Um, I got a bunch of artwork from uh, pond5.com and I had somebody on fiverr.com record a description and they actually created um, a little i created like a little cart a little um animation like a little um, commercial and shockingly enough i can show i can um promote that animation when i boost a post that 's an animation um I might only spend a penny per view so i might whenever i um uh promote an image, I might be paying like five or ten cents for people to look at it you know, for people to click on it. But when I might only pay like, you know, a few, you know, a few pennies to get them to watch all the way through a video. So video ads are kind of the most, you might find creating video ads is the most cost effective way for you to promote your book. And I'm going to go ahead and come on here for just one second. There's a, you when you get a chance, everybody should take a look at this product called, called Ripple.com. It's an app. It's on, it's the Ripple.com, sorry, Ripple, actually, RIPL app. So the Ripple app, RIPL app, is available on both your um, iPhone and your Android phone. And it makes video ads with music and images in about two and a half seconds. So I strongly recommend that um, you take a few minutes to uh, take a look at the Ripple app. And Because you may find it's it's the easiest way for you to create um, animations that promote your book. Um, And you can use all kinds of interesting things to do it. You know, like if you've got a medical thriller, it might be the case that, you know, you take pictures of uh, a stethoscope and a bloody scalpel and something else and uh, turn it into a little, stick a little music on it, (laughs) write an interesting description, post it on your Facebook, post it on your Twitter, and then boost it and see you know you may find some of those those ad hoc ads work better than anything else that you do just to to get um to promote your book to readers and um it it's about the che- the video ads will be the cheapest advertising that you do right so and i cover i, I yeah, there's some information about um that kind of thing in the uh in the materials but it, i've already posted it here just take a look at the ripple app when you get 5 seconds free whenever you create a page one of the things you're going to do um you're going to want to promote the page. So there's an option here called promote. When you click on that link, it makes it so um, it basically runs an ad that gets people to click a like button. And the reason that you might want to do that is it will allow you to get more people following you on Facebook. And it sounds stupid, but people find when when you've got 5,000 or 10,000 or 50,000 people following you, your book tends to sell better. I do not know why, but it is true. So um, it does matter. Like it, it does matter. You might one of the ads you might want to run on a regular basis is this thing where it says um, when you create a Facebook page, there's a button that says promote. One of the things you might want to do is go ahead and click promote. I mentioned in passing it also makes it so whenever you post something, more people are more likely to see it. But the real reason to do it is because you want to get Facebook followers. Um, just because people are more likely to buy a book for somebody who's got lots of Facebook followers. You need to. Another thing you need to do is you need to run press releases for your book. I'm going to show you when you get a chance, go to pressreleasejet.com. I always use that. I don't get a kickback, but I love them. But the reason you're going to use press release jet to promote your, promote your book is one, to make sure that whenever you, you somebody Googles you, they find you. And also, if it, it to, as, as you release each book, um, you're going to create a link. Um, you're going to create a press release that basically says, you know, uh, New book, you know, Nancy Fulton releases new book on, uh, new thriller, Fortunate Monsters, on Amazon. If you do that for every single book you do, and you also do that every time, you also do that every single time you do, you get interviewed by anybody, or every single time um, uh, you sell a bunch of copies, or just any time you've got any kind of, uh, every time you do a reading, or every time you do a speaking thing, but it, it guarantees that anytime anybody Googles you, they're automatically gonna see a lot of information about you and a lot of information about your book. Um, this has two benefits. One, it makes readers more likely to buy your book, and two, it makes it so people are more likely to interview you, right? If, I, if I'm if i an interviewer and I Google you and I can't find any information about you, I basically think that, that you're not very famous, so I, there's no reason for me to interview you. So one of the reasons you wanna have press releases and one of the reasons that you want to, um, actively use press releases to promote yourself is because it's one of the ways that, that people who interview you know that you're actually producing um, You're producing uh, good work on a regular basis. Does that makes sense So I think a lot of times people don't realize that y- You have to run press releases for yourself because it actually goes a long way to ensuring that you're going to get um, That you're going to get uh, a lot of future interviews and hold on one second. I just have to click on this. Okay, hold on one sec. Cool. Now, here we go. Now, the next thing is we're, I, I want to talk about promotion. So, if you go take a look, there's a website. There's a website called. So, when you get a chance, check out pressreleasejet.com. It costs, I think, about $129 right now. If you go to fi- uh, Fiverr.com, you can find ways to send press releases that cost less. The reason I like PressReleaseJet.com is because it gets me, if I do the $129 one, it gets me picked up by ABC News, NBC News, and all kinds of other people. And that trans- that's a good thing because it translates into me getting a lot of high-value websites pointing at me, and that translates into me Googling well. It means I look good when I Google. Um, so PressReleaseJet.com, you should, you should use it at least once for every book that you do, um, and every big event that you do when you're promoting it. Um, Another thing I think you should take a look at is help a reporter out. Um, You can sign up for it. I think it's a free service still, Um, and you say, I'm a source, and let's say that you're an expert. Let's say you are a police detective, and you're writing thrillers. What you can do is um, when you sign up here, you're going to get like three batches of emails a day. And um, those emails will be from reporters seeking a source for a source that they can quote for specific information. Um, for example, you know, somebody who who can talk about security around the house or somebody who can talk about um, how to reduce crime in your neighborhood or whatever. And you can actually respond to the reporter and say, hi, I'm a police detective, da, 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 da. And, uh, uh, this is my recommendation. So you respond to their request, and then you say, um, "I've written a book." Da 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 da. And what happens? And here's a link to it. What happens is, whenever they use your work, they all automatically put a link to your book. So it's a way to kind of get reporters to tell people about your book. So help a reporter out um, is a is a good way for you to get an ongoing s- source of um, ongoing press. And it doesn't cost anything, so it's a, a pretty good investment. Um, I think there's another one called. Let's see. So if you want to get interviewed on the radio, you can go to radioguestlist.com. Now these are people who I think this is a five dollar a week service, but basically these are people. Sometimes they're running podcasts. Sometimes they're actually actual radio shows. Like, and what it is is they post um, requests. They say, you know, I'm looking for I'm looking for someone who can talk about uh, crime. I'm looking for somebody who can talk about medicine. I'm looking for somebody who's got new books, a, a new book out. And you basically send them a note give them a link to your book, give them a link to your website, say i be interested in being interviewed and they respond and they'll tell you when you can, you can get interviewed. So this is a good way for you to get sort of an ongoing source of interviews on an ongoing basis where you can meet readers and it doesn't cost you very much. And, um, Some of these shows can be pretty big. You know, the longer you're on, the more people you meet. Um, If you want to, you can actually get promoted to everybody who's a subscriber on the service. I don't, you know, it's where people sometimes will actually buy advertisements on the site. I don't know know if you necessarily need to do that. But I think it's certainly radioguestlist.com is probably a great way to pick up interviews. um, Radio and blog, uh, radio and um, podcast and um, online blog. What a blog cast, whatever that thing is called, um, interviews. So let me go ahead and put that up there too. So you can take a look at that. Successful authors do not do not become successful by writing just one book. So if you are if you've written a book and you're not getting, you know, you're kind of thinking, wow, that was a bit of a waste of time because you know, I haven't really gotten any, I haven't really actually made a lot of money off of it. Welcome to the club. Most people who are successful as authors have to write five or 10 books before they actually manage to get good traction. And a lot of times they actually, so if you take a look at this guy, for example, you know, he's got several books and notice they've got a common theme in terms of cover. You know, his books all look kind of the same. There's a reason for that because he's building a brand, right? And he's got a website and he posts little videos on this from what time to time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's got a bio. He's got a good author page. Um, the reason that he does this is because it, it producing more books and going ahead and going through all of this promotion process um, results in more sales for him. On, and part of the reason is when somebody buys one of your books, if they like it, they're going to want to buy book two, book three, book four, book five, book six. So really um, the, the time and effort you spend getting that first sale ends up selling six other books and you, and all of that rest of that money is in effect kind of free, right? So if you only have one book for for sale, it's very unlikely that you're going to be successful. You really have to, you really have to plan to write several books. And if you produce 10 books and you follow all of the instructions in terms of promotion that I've sort of talked about here, and they've all got good reviews, you know, You can stop writing after 10 books and you can say you failed at being a writer but until you've written that 10th book and done all of this stuff you haven't really even tried to be a writer yet now i want to mention this particular girl she writes odd books but so e.l james who is the author of 50 shades of gray she originally started writing fan fiction she you know, there are those websites you can go on where you can write like sort of bizarre Harry Potter love stories. Um, Well, she was on sort of one of those kinds of sites where it was like basically just crazy, twisted fan fiction. And people liked her work so much that she got kind of a following for writing this crazy, twisted fan fiction. So then she she decided to write a real book, which was Fifty Shades of Grey. And people really liked that book. Um, And she basically, all of the fans that had liked her for free fanfic posting um, heard about this she told them about this book and they went and they bought it so she was like an overnight success now the Im- interesting thing about that is really she wasn't an overnight success because she'd been writing free fan fiction for a number of years before she wrote um, the book the book was an instant success because it was the first thing that that she'd written that these folks couldn't get free but they were already her fans so and she was a self-published author and she actually got ch- ch- turned this book into a film deal and in the film deal she actually had incredible amounts of control of the film production in terms like including casting and stuff like that so if you are a person that wants to be a successful um self-published author you want to kind of head off in the direction this chick went you know one you want to write a bunch of you want to find a fan uh, a bunch of fans who will follow you and you want to um Make it make it so they've fallen in love with you. You create a relationship with them. She was actually engaging with these people on a daily basis, um, and then you want to start making, letting them know that you've written books and information, written books that they can't get for free, um, and it's they're available on Amazon. Okay, so this is if you're wondering how to be successful as an author, self-published author. This is how you do it. Now, what does this keep doing? Now. Some people just cannot really bring themselves to do that. They really desperately want to find themselves a publisher because they do not want to go through all of the hassle of um, having to sort of uh, format their book, get, get it edited, find the first reviews, and so forth. <coughs> if you want, I I wanted to point out this particular service. All the recommendations I give you about services are sort of based on, on um, uh, I, I like the services. You may not like them, but if I were making a recommendation, generally speaking, I sort of recommend these people. You should vet them yourself and decide if you like them. This company, Writers Relief, what they do is you, you can uh, give them information about your book, um, and they will actually submit it to publishers for you. They'll actually handle the querying process so you don't have to. So, if you really hate, if you you have you've written a book, you really like it, you think it's finished, you've got it professionally edited, and so forth, and you decide you don't want to self-publish it, you can use somebody like Writer's Relief to actually handle the outreach to publishers, and maybe they'll be able to find a publisher for you because they know how to they they know how to handle submissions to publishers and, and to literary agents, which is to say book and book literary agents, not film literary agents. So I mentioned this because I think some people, they really like the writing part, but they just have no interest whatsoever in the publishing part. And even if they're gonna get paid less, they would rather do the, they would really much rather do the, um, not do the self-publishing thing. So there's sort of several different reasons to write a book. Okay. Some people who write books, um, they're, they're fundamentally, they're artists. And the reason they're writing the book is because they have something important to say. And it is not the case that they think they're going to be massively rich. It's just that they really want to write this particular book. Now, I do not think that J.K. Rowling, sitting with her baby, having, you know, dirt poor, basically, living on on the dole in the UK, sitting in a pub, drinking tea for hours a day and writing Harry Potter. I don't think she had the idea she was going to be a mogul. I don't think that was in her mind at all. She just really wanted to write this particular book, Harry Potter, about a boy wizard. And, you know, she did a lot of, she was kind of obsessed and um, she had sort of ended up with sort of several books in mind. But it was fundamentally, it was a work of art. And I think you can make the ca- that case about a lot of very successful authors. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm basically fundamentally writing a book I want to write because I want to write it because I like it. And um, these folks can be very successful, but they're kind of a wild card there there a lot of their fulfillment comes over just writing the book they care the most about there are also so that there's there's artists there's also something called there's also creative professionals now a creative professional is somebody who tailors their work to meet the needs of the market and and the desires of the market so um they're the kind of people who go and they look at the best selling the top 10 or top 100 best selling thrillers reads them all comes back and decides to write a thriller that fits that particular mold. Um, And if they get feedback from people that's negative and, you know, from their agents or managers or their publisher, they're totally comfortable making a change in the work because they, honest to God, don't care. You know, it's like, whatever's going to, they really are writing this book because they want to make money. Those people tend to be very successful. And the reason is, uh, and they tend to be successful somewhat swiftly because for them, it really is a job. And, um, they're paying attention to what the market wants and they master their craft and they, do, they treat it like a nine to five job. Um, um, and they also are very businesslike about producing multiple books. Those people have sort of a different approach to writing and a different, promote, uh, a different approach to marketing and um, they may be more successful more swiftly. Specifically because they're putting they're putting their all behind their work and because they're very flexible. Um, and then finally, the other kind of people who um, write books tend to be experts. And the way that they're going to make most of their money is they're they're the kind of people who will write a book. For example, they'll be a psychologist and they'll be an expert in narcissistic personality disorder. They'll go ahead and they'll write a book about narcissistic personality disorder. And uh, the book will become very famous because what they, or the book will become successful, especially for people um, in a genre, which is, you know, psychology, help psychology, <laughs> uh, relationship advice on um, Amazon, for example. Those people may be very successful with that book, but you know how they're going to make their money? They're not going to make their money off the book. They're making their money off the people that hire them for speaking engagements and the people that hire them to be on TV and the, hire p- and the people that come to their practice, right? so those people aren't making money as an author they're making money as an expert and they they may produce their work on um re- so my point being that um you as a person have to just kind of give a little bit of thought to why you're writing your book and how, and which one of these mechanisms you're going to be you you're, you're going to use if you're going to do the artistic thing and you say look i want to write this particular book it you know there's nothing really any. There's nothing anywhere else like it, um, you know. I'm writing, <laughs> I'm writing the 21st century version of Lord of the Rings. It's got elves and dragons. It's nothing like Lord of the Rings, but it's completely. It's never been heard of before. Uh, it's entirely mine, and it's. I just. I don't want to die without writing this particular book. I really feel that strongly about it. Um, or and or this series of books. Okay, well that guy's an. You're an artist, and you a lot of your fulfillment. You, you may not see any financial success in your lifetime. You may never see financial success, but you see most of your payoff is gonna be coming because you're getting to write what you wanna write. And if you accidentally become very successful, it's gonna be due to your passion and your originality and the fact that people stumble across your work and you sort of become famous unexpectedly, or, or in most cases. Um, if you're a creative professional, you're gonna do a whole bunch of studying, you're gonna produce a whole bunch of books, you're gonna be very flexible. Um, and uh, you're gonna get you're gonna get well rewarded because your book sales are gonna go through are gonna be very high. And you're gonna get most of your revenue actually from the books that you write. Or you're gonna be an expert and you're gonna make most of your money. You're gonna have a successful book because it's accurate and it's true and because it's well, you know, you made sure that it's well written, but most of your payoff is gonna come from speaking engagements or from clients that come to you, etc. You need to know where your money's gonna come from or if you're gonna make money at all, and you need to know what your payoff is. Because one of the most stressful things I find is when somebody comes to me and they've written a book that's very much clearly important to them, and then they're kind of upset that it's not making money. And it's kind of like, well, you wrote a book that's about something that's really depressing. And um, it's hard to find them. People a lot of times don't want to talk about really depressing things. <laughs> so it's harder for you to, you know, it's going to take push to make something a book about something that's really depressing or something that's not really escapist or something that, you know, you've written something unusual, it's going to be hard for you to be successful with that book because it's not something that everybody expects. And also you've only written one of it. So it's really, you're, you're behaving like an artist and it may be the case that you're not going to get paid very well. Um, but at least you got to write the book that you wanted. I just, I, I just really hate it when I have somebody who doesn't, who thought, you know, they were going to, they're going to basically create a very artistic work and it's completely unusual. It's like nothing else on earth. Uh, and they they expected one book to make them rich because it's it's almost never going to happen. It's almost it, it can happen. It's accidental. If it does, if you want to if you want to guarantee that you're going to be successful, you really need to focus on being a creative professional or being an expert because that's mostly where you're going to get you're going to make most of your money. Cool. And one more thing I mentioned in passing. We talked about Amazon. There's other, if you go to smashwords.com, let me go ahead and write that down real quick. Cool. If you go to smashwords.com, you can actually release your book, not just on Amazon, but on, um, uh, Scribd and, um, Nook and, um, like a hundred sites. So, Just so you know, Amazon's not the only game in town. And in fact, a lot of times your royalties that you get through distributing through Smashwords will be higher than your royalties through Amazon. So just make sure that if you're going to be somebody who writes books for a living, don't just make your books available through Amazon. Generally speaking, you'll find you'll make more money off of making your book available across multiple platforms and promoting it across multiple platforms. Um, I think Amazon doesn't always pay the highest royalty rates by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and take a look at all this t- chatting that's been going on because I haven't been looking at it. <laughs> if and I'll see if there's any questions. If you have any questions, go ahead and throw them into the go ahead and ch- uh, throw them into the chat box. Christopher Falcone says, "Building your own audience, while King is a great idea, it is you have to. Basically, you ha- you want to create a relationship directly with your customers. Um, one of the reasons you create a blog, one of the reasons you create a website, one of the reasons you." Um, uh, engage in chat forums. And one of, all of these things allow you to create an audience that you can actually um, that you can actually feed books to. It's it's their attachment to you as a person that I mean, how many of us um, we all like the Harry Potter books, but for a lot of us, J.K. Rowling' success has a lot. We like J.K. Rowling, so we're willing to give her a chance on all the kinds of things that she writes, including you know the including the books that are sort of out of the Harry Potter canon. Um, the creating, You talk about ways to create visibility um, on Amazon. If you do the marketing that I've talked about sort of across platform, uh, across you know, Facebook and Twitter and all of these things, doing the press releases and so forth, and you do the interviews using Help A Reporter Out and, uh, um, and uh, that radio guest list thing, the more visible you are, the more successful you're gonna be at getting, um, at getting uh, attention. And it doesn't really take a lot of sales to make it turn you into an Amazon bestseller. And when you're in, if you manage to get to be an Amazon bestseller and you're in the top 10 thrillers, the top 10 romances for a while, you'll find the sales up there are you get a lot of sales just from being on that list. So part of it is the marketing that you're doing everywhere um, turns into visibility on Amazon. You can certainly buy ads on Amazon, but I've never known anybody that had a lot of success with them. Let's see. Sarita Stevens says, uh, who's actually an extremely good writer, um, says that uh, when she works with an editor, it makes sense to give them, to test them on a few pages before you actually give them uh, a copy of the whole book. If you can get them to do that, that's great. Um, I, I usually, um, I've had good luck with editors. Usually I don't have any I haven't really had bad editors, but then again, I'm the person that pays a thousand bucks. So it's hard to get, if, if they're highly rated um, and they charge a thousand bucks and they have lots of positive reviews, I've had pretty good luck. But if you can get them to actually give to give you a test of a few pages of editing that, I think that might be a good idea. Um, if if It is definitely the case, if you've got a bad editor, you've got a problem because they'll give you edits that turn out to be completely useless to you. Uh, Katie Rischoff, Hello, Katie um, says exactly sort of exactly on the same thing. Um, the uh, you guys have worse luck with editors. I never get anybody that wants to change the <laughs> to change the entire opening of a <laughs> That would make I me mean, laugh out loud. That's never gonna happen. So um, if you can find an editor that will actually let you give them a few pages, that might be a great place to start. Maybe give them the first chapter and see what their thoughts are. The problem with the first chapter, a lot of times the first chapter doesn't represent the rest of the book, but you know maybe the first three chapters. Um, Amazon has taken down the contact information from reviewers it hasn't taken down all of the contact it hasn't it's, ta- it's made it impossible to contact them through the platform. It used to be that people on the platform would could request to have their email address or whatever visible through the site. That's no longer the case. Um, now they will actually show a link to their to their website, if they provided or a link to their Facebook or their Twitter account, so it's they change the information that's available. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, Elizabeth. I think I should fix that Daphne Dumaria thing. If I ever paid that much attention to that page, it'd be so funny. I like I go in there and I make changes to it, and then I just abandon it because I really never sell. I don't really sell much through Amazon. I used to, but I don't anymore. Um, mostly just because I don't know. I guess I don't know why I don't. Anyway. Mostly because I get, I earn more other places, I think. Um, let's see. Let's take a look. Oh, that's an interesting thing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. You've had difficulty. So, we just talking about the fact, you know, being identified as an expert is somewhat difficult sometimes. That's definitely true. Um, <laughs> It's kind of interesting if you're a forensic nurse or if you're a police detective, and you find yourself in art with in an argument with an interviewer or with a uh, editor about your field of expertise, and you're like, well, (laughs) I don't know how many people, how many lives did you save last week? You know, (laughs) because I think I saved kind of a few. But it is, it is, that does happen from time to time. Let's see. So is James Patterson one of those professional writers? I definitely think, I think. You know, there are are writers who are artists who are very professional in their work, but the kind of work they're doing is unlike work that anybody else has ever done. If you take a look at J.K. Rowling, when she first produced her book, and it was a kid's book, (laughs) it was a kid's book, and it was like, you know, what is it, 300 printed pages long? I think it was like, you know, 500,000 words, some ridiculous, how much is Harry Potter? Some ridiculous number of words. It was incredibly long. And she sent it out to a huge number of publishers who said, this book is just not, it cannot be sold. It's too long. It's too advanced for the age group that it's written for. It's just a, it's a white elephant. It cannot be successful. Um, But she had written it anyway. She had had, obviously she, it was, um, she was very well educated. It was well written and she had it, she had it, she edited it and had it edited um it was just very confident work but it took her a long time to find a publisher because of that and I guarantee you she was not going to change that book right it was not like she was not going to abandon that book she was not going to write something else so I'm not saying that a person who's an artist can't be successful I'm saying they're taking a risk when it comes to James Patterson I think he is a professional writer I think he 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 um, um I think his first few works might have been books of the heart, but I think over time, because he's so prolific, he's actually become very much a professional writer. And I think he does take a look at the current events and he thinks about what he's what he's going to write about. Um, but that's not a bad thing. It's just the case that it's just the case that he's incredibly prolific, um, and he's more flexible than many other writers are. I think it is definitely the case that if you have an editor who doesn't like your kind of book, you absolutely should ditch them because it's really a terrible thing. To have you, your editor sort of has to be on your side and has to know what you're looking for I really haven't had the problem of editors not getting my work but um, then again you know I spent 25 years as a professional writer so um, I can string together a sentence I don't know where commas go <laughs> and I have a problem with subordinate classes but I have a I'm, I am kind of a professional writer so maybe I, I've good, had good luck with editors because I write I've been trained by a bunch of previous editors. To write the way editors like. Um, can we speak to, to can we, I can speak to fan fiction for a few minutes. <sighs> fan fiction is, you can build an audience through fan fiction, and I've seen two people do it, several people do it, but I'll tell you one that you might find interesting. So I was minding my own business, having a life of my own, back in the days when CompuServe was actually um, the earliest days of even before the internet. When people, you would have a modem and your computer would dial up a service like I use CompuServe, um, and there were all kinds of forums, which are basically like little chat groups. And there was um, there was this one for romance, and the woman there was a there were several really um, good writers who were members of this forum. One of which was Diana Gabaldon, and she wrote she had written little bits of short stories and things that she you know had shared with people on the forum, and people really liked her work. Uh, and she ended up writing Outlander, which she made, a, I think she actually made it originally available through Amazon. In any case, that thing sold like wildfire. And you can see that it's also, it's now a TV show, and it has had several follow, books that followed. She So she was a fan fiction writer. And the trick to becoming a fan fiction writer is to literally go onto these sites and write stuff for free, um, And make it available to people, and they will just. What you're looking for is for people to love it so much they basically say, you know, I really can't wait to get your next piece. And it does involve giving away a lot of work for free, and that's one of the reasons that I talked. I'm talking to people now about doing podcasts, and I'm talking to people about, um, you know, podcasts allows you to create stories that you make available for free, and people can follow you on the podcast. And some podcasts are becoming extremely successful. And for example, Amazon purchased the Lore podcast, I believe, um, and which has now become a TV show. And there's been a number of these kinds of, um, and those are basically fan fiction sites that are dedicated to one particular person. So if you, if you go on to um, fan fiction writing sites and you start posting stuff and people start downloading it, you create that relationship and it turns into them, then you, then you can say, hey, something's available on my site. And you can make it so that people have to go to your site and give you their email address to get it. And then when your book's available for sale, you can actually say, hey, my book's available for sale. And you can email the people who joined your list. And you can go tell the fan fiction people. But you get the part that it's all a whole bunch of writing for free. So you really have to like to write. And you have to write quickly and well because that's what those, that's how you become successful using fan fiction. So I hope that makes sense. Cool. So, the thing about fan fiction it's actually so the question so the question is isn't fan fiction derivative of another book so the interesting thing about fan fiction is it's quasi legal now one, you're writing the work it's available on these groups you're making you're not charging people money for it, and the um, so you don't tend to get prosecuted. People, and part of it is because if people are writing Star Trek fan fiction or Harry Potter pre- fan fiction, um, cracking down on those peoples would be really hard and expensive and time consuming. So the authors and the publishers don't feel like doing it. And also it kind of um, keeps the, keeps the audience alive and entertained between the release of a new book or between the release of a new movie, right? So it's not, People tend to publish. They tend. People tend to turn a blind eye to it. Big companies tend to turn a blind eye to it. So, it is derivative of another book, but it's an entirely original fiction based upon the new versions of the characters. Like you know, but it, I think you know, there seems to be a lot of sex involved on a lot of fun, fan fiction sites. So you'll have different characters like Spock and Kirk having you know a gay relationship or whatever. Is that really the original Spock and Kirk character? Not really. (laughs) It has the same name. (laughs) It maybe has some of the same characters, like there may be a ship involved, it's called the Enterprise, but it's not not really in the canon of the particular work. So it's, it's, is it derivative? Sort of, it kind of uses the same character names and it uses the same um, locations and some of the same mythos, but it's not, it's entirely original work. So, if you're asking, is it legal? Nobody cracks down on it. And also you're making it available for free. So it's entirely original work that you're making available for free, that you're making available on this particular site, you're not selling it. Um, so you're not likely to run into trouble. Also, um even courts tend to be kind of tolerant of it. So it's safe enough to write fan fiction. You know, most people do it all the time, and they don't—they don't get sued for it, um, even when it's really crazy. So, I think that answers your question. It is derivative of another book, but it's it's, not—it doesn't—you don't get in trouble for copyright infringement, which I think is the only thing that matters. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen. I deeply appreciate it. You—you guys are wonderful. Audioiron.com.